Okay, I guess we can get started. Um, I just want to, before we start, I just want to mention that we have quite a few things coming up on the schedule that you all can take a look at. Um, on Thursday, of course, have the uh, DAO meeting. And we also have uh, little uh, Twitter spaces um, at uh, just at 7 o'clock Eastern. So uh, come, come to that. And we have the class, the weekly DAO meeting. And then I also put just save the date, uh, February 26th for the beans poker tournament. Um, we're firming that date up and, uh, that should be a very fun event. So just looking forward to that. And yeah, I think, uh, as far as the overall update, I think it's getting, there's too much going on for me to give a quick update on, on, on what's going on. I think we'll probably just go straight to class. And then, uh, if you're interested, there was just a weekly update that Publius pushed out, um, on discord and come to the Dow meeting. And uh, we can uh, we can chat then. Unless uh, Publis, is there anything on your mind before we get started? Uh, nothing in particular. Okay, so uh, class is uh, class is open. Feel free to um, post your questions on the the class discussion board here. Um, this is being recorded, so we'll uh, we'll have the recording of, of this afterwards and some notes. And uh, you can feel free to raise your hand as well, or just come up on stage. It's uh, open for people to just come right up on stage. I think, Lubis, uh, I think I saw your hand up right as I joined. So if you have a question, and uh, if anyone else has a question, the floor is open. Hey, Mod. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. We'll go mod and then we'll go JW. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with a question. Um, right now, when when the price is above one and we're minting, I understand that we're still issuing soil. Um, it, 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 does it make sense or is, is it a good idea to stop issuing soil when we're above one and minting when the debt is high? So we only do that when, you know, when we're within like a certain level of debt. But when it's too high, then there is no need to keep issuing more debt, even if we're above peg. So... In particular, uh, issuing too much soil when above peg is uh, the issue Beanstalk had when it was growing last November. So, uh, in short, uh, through BIP 6 and BIP 9, there are now changes to the soil rules, um, which we believe uh, balance the needs of the system with um, which you know, it, Beanstalk requires there to be some soil issued every season uh, because the peg maintenance model uh, changes the weather based on the TWAP, uh, the pod rate, and the demand for soil, specifically the changing demand for soil over the previous two seasons. Uh, there needs to be some soil in order for Beanstalk to measure demand for soil. However, uh, in the previous growth cycle, Beanstalk had uh, a minimum soil parameter that was uh, a function of the total supply. And accordingly, there was just way too much soil issued every season, even when Beanstalk was minting and paying off debt. So the new soil parameters that is currently in place is anytime there's a time-weighted average excess of beans in the pool, the amount of soil is equivalent to the time-weighted average excess over the previous season. Um, which has been the case for the past couple weeks, what you've 
seen in place. And now the price is oscillating above and below a dollar. So uh, when the price is below a dollar for a season uh, or the TWAP is below a dollar for a season, uh, that the strong momentum is based on the time weighted average excess of beans in the pool. The new rule, which you're asking about, uh, when there's a time weighted average shortage of beans in the previous season and beanstalk is minting, is that if at the start of a season beanstalk uh, pays off 50,000 pods, let's call it, um, during that season, the most amount of pods beanstalk will be willing to issue is 50,000 pods total. So assuming that there's demand for all the soil beanstalk is issuing, in that case, the pod rate will decrease over the course of that season because the bean supply has increased while the debt level has stayed the same. The pod line has stayed the same. So the pod rate or the debt level in that case should have decreased because the pod line has stayed the same while the supply has increased. So in under the new parameters, when bean stock is growing, the debt level should decrease even if the length of the pod line stays the same, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, there's a part, go ahead. I, I think I, I lost you at the bit of if, if we if we're minting fifty thousand and and then we issue a soil of fifty thousand. What happens again to the supply and uh, to the pod rate? So let's say fifty thousand pods harvest at the start of this season. Um, the amount of soil beanstalk will issue uh, at the start of the season as well is a function of the fifty thousand pods that just harvested and the weather during the season. So the soil. The amount of soil beanstalk issues is the solution to the equation. How much soil can beanstalk issue such that the amount of pods issued during the season is the maximum pods issued during the season is the same as the pods that were harvestable at the start of the season. So if 50,000 pods harvested at the start of the season, the most amount of pods that will be issued during the season is 50,000 pods. Okay, is this a way, one way to think of it then is that, okay, we have an excess supply of 50,000, so let's take it out by issuing soil. Is, is this one way to think of it? Well, we have to separate the two sides, right? Uh, when there's a, t when the price is too low, um, when the, the price is below a dollar, that means that there was a time-weighted average excess of beans in the pool over the previous season. So when there's an excess of beans in the pool over the previous season, Beanstalk needs to remove beans from the system. So when the price is too low, let's say there was a time-weighted average excess of beans uh, across the Uniswap pool, the curve pool, any pools that beans are in. Um, in a th theoretical world, Beanstalk should issue the amount of soil to match that time-weighted average excess, if that makes sense. So if there is demand for soil, someone is going to buy those beans from the market and return the price to a dollar, if that makes sense. So from an efficiency perspective, the, the, so, the soil, the maximum soil, or the maximum pods beanstalk will issue when there's a time-weighted average excess of beans in the pool over the previous season is the amount of uh, based on the amount of soil necessary to return the price to a dollar by removing the exact amount of time-weighted average excess beans from the pool. That's a totally different rule set, though, than when there's a time-weighted average shortage of beans in the pool when the price is too high. And that has to do with then how many pods harvested at the start of the season. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, Publius. Uh, JWW, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, so um, I'm getting, I get, I think I'm getting more and more excited about the idea of um, stock and seeds in general. Um, and I was just wondering two things. One, um, you know, when, when it's in place that we're able to buy and, and sell stock and seeds, um, what would be an incentive for somebody to actually sell their seeds and or stock versus versus holding it? Because um, I, I don't, obviously, then they're, they're um, deposits in the silo wouldn't be you know, yield generating. So I'm, I'm interested to know like what would be an, obviously that could vary, but to get your thoughts on what an incentive for that would be. Um, and then also, I was just curious about the the choice to um, have the yield generation be one um, ten, ten thousandth uh, stock per, per season uh, per seed. Uh, if you could just talk on those two, that'd be great. So to speculate a little bit, on uses, I think the most interesting beyond people, like the most obvious one is people are able to more customize their risk profile associated with beanstalk. Some people may prefer more stock versus seeds and vice versa. Um, and if you think of stock as uh, more based on the short term growth of beanstalk uh, and seeds as because they yield more stock over time, more long term uh, yield from beanstalk. Uh, people can uh, customize their exposure to beanstalk, if that makes sense. And given the opportunity cost introduced by the stock system and the requirement to forfeit your grown stock, people may be incentivized to sell some of their stock as opposed to cashing out from the silo entirely. Um, so uh, that's the most obvious use case. But then there's also the idea of like lending markets on top of stock and seeds because they're yield-bearing assets. And then once you have that, there's kind of uh, the ability to short the future of being stock. So lots of really interesting uh, market complexities are uh, introduced by stock and seeds, which is really fun. So uh, from we when we talk about the growth and the development of the ecosystem, stock and seeds becoming liquid will open up uh, a ton of different integrations and uh, market, uh, market uh, primitives, let's call it, uh, that will greatly benefit the liquidity and sophistication of the ecosystem, uh, which is, you know, it, we're excited. And once this, the silo is uh, upgraded to support arbitrary tokens, that'll kind of be uh, one of the next developments uh, immediately in the pipeline. And to speak um, substantively about where the um, one to ten, you know, one ten thousandth of a stock grows from seed one seed every season. Um, in short, uh, we we did a little bit of rough. You know, we're big fans of napkin math, and there's no right answer per se uh, as to as to what exactly the right amount of incentive you need from stock that's going to grow from seeds and on the one hand i think as opposed to what the rate of growth is per se which is less important the real decision was to make the growth linear if that makes sense and so the opportunity cost increases in a linear fashion the longer that an asset is deposited in the silo um and i think 
the yeah, I don't. I'm not going to make up like some convoluted logic as to why we chose one over ten thousand, but um, in reality, what we actually chose was two seeds and four seeds per being denominated value deposited. So um, it's not actually even like one ten thousandth if you think about it from a bean perspective. That was just from a coding perspective something that was cleaner to implement. Um, it, you know, it was more figuring out what is the, on a bean denominated value, the amount of stock and seeds that you want to issue. And um, in general, I think we're inclined to move towards more of a gauge system that will allow for more fluctuation between different pools. The idea would be to have some sort of hard-coded stock and seed ratio for the bean stock seed pool as compared to beans. Um, to ensure that stock and seeds don't overinflate. Um, but beyond that, basically every LP pool, more or less, um, maybe with the exception of the Beneath Uniswap V2 pool, which is sort of a core to the protocol in many ways, should all be up to the gauge system we're, we're thinking about uh, how it's best to design at the moment. So uh, don't have like a really sophisticated answer for you as to the, where the 10,000 comes from, um, or the one in 10,000, but... Um, you know, it's more about on a bean-denominated value how much uh, extra stock to reward over time. Got it. Great. That 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 helps. Thanks. And then uh, I've got a question about valuing debt. Uh, valuing debt, but I'll ask that after everybody else. So thank you. Okay. Um, how about Divine Jesus? Uh, hey, Publis. Um, my question is on bean itself and. What catalyst is going to make Bean uh, more uh, widely used in the near future? And I have one more question. So, so there's a variety of uh, different, both protocol uh, upgrades and uh, more general integrations happening, hopefully, to to the Bean token in the near future that will be complementary. So. To speak a little bit on the Beanstalk upgrades first, um, the goal is, in addition to the launch of the farmer's market, the pod marketplace, uh, in the next week or so, we hope, um, you know, our intentions to propose that BIP in the next 24 hours, let's call it, um, maybe 48 hours at the max. Um, you know, so then from there, it'll be up to a week until that's live, hopefully, but maybe it'll even reach a super majority. Who knows? Um, and beyond that, the next kind of upgrades in the pipeline are to upgrade the silo to accept arbitrary tokens based on a whitelist. So that will include the Bean 3 curve curve pool and then potentially a variety of other pools like a Bean Frax pool that Bean Sprout and Frax are talking about uh, coordinating and uh, a Bean LUSD pool as well, potentially. Uh, so there's a couple different uh, immediate things in the pipeline. Uh, there was also that Afra uh, thing. I'm not sure of the current status of that, but Bean Sprout was also uh, working with Afra to launch a decentralized three pool with Bean. Um, and so all of those tokens, and this is where we said it was complementary, the integrations with the Bean stock upgrades, the idea that the silo will accept arbitrary LP tokens will allow uh, direct integrations with some or all of these LP pools into into the silo based on BIPs. Um, which is pretty exciting. So uh, beyond that, uh, another upgrade to Beanstalk 
happening in the near future will be that the bean farm uh, will be generalized. So currently, you can uh, kind of go from the field to the silo. If you have harvestable pods, you can deposit them in the silo. Or if you have claimable beans, you can sow them or redeposit them in the silo without any of those assets, uh, those beans touching your wallet, uh, which uh, for some participants in the ecosystem, it seems is more beneficial from a tax perspective. We've been, you know, some of our community members have highlighted that. And so the idea is that we're going to generalize the bean farm to sort of accept arbitrary wrapped assets that you have, can hold on the bean farm and then either turn into beans or LP tokens and silo or so uh, to your heart's content, uh, but don't necessarily ever need to remove them from the farm. So when we talk about just increasing utility and decreasing friction uh, to integrating with the ecosystem, we think uh, upgrading the silo and generalizing the bean farm are going to be uh, pretty big deals uh, on that front. And then obviously there's the active coordination with uh, various other protocols to get uh, being in front of them and have them consider it. And then maybe one other thing just to highlight would be uh, Creator DAO. Uh, they're pretty cool in our opinion, and they're interested in holding beans in their treasury and also doing marketing for bean um, kind of as a symbiotic win-win. So uh, I think there's a lot of really cool things in the pipeline on the utility front and the adoption front. Um, liquidity is probably step one on that front. And uh they're all correlated, as you can tell. So uh, integrating the LP tokens into the silo will help increase liquidity, which will help increase the uh, ability to integrate with other protocols. So this is all going to hopefully happen in the next couple weeks and months, but um, step by step by step. All right. Thank you. You answered my second question, so uh, I'm good. I think that's a good thing. Yes. Uh, Maybe an indication we talk too much, but perhaps, uh, perhaps just that we cover everything. Thank you. Okay, Hashrash, go ahead. Hey, Publius, what's up? Um, so my question is: now that the soil is scarce, uh, basically, you know, anybody that wants soil, it's they have to wait. How do we think about requiring? Uh, people to be in the silo in order to uh, be eligible for soil with maybe a first in first out uh, system where uh, a line would form with people that are siloing uh, to get the soil when it's available. So specifically soil it's designed to create new demand for beans because beanstalk has to remove excess beans from the pool and beans that are in the silo are sort of useless from that perspective. And so that's why there's a deliberate bifurcation between silo beans and circulating beans and you cannot sow silo beans. And so it would not make sense to offer any ability to sow silo beans um, independent of some sort of bonus for that as well. Got it. Thank you. Um, but to jump on that, um, Hashrash and Publius, it, it, would there be a way where, like, you had to sow a portion and keep them so, like, just to jump on your idea, Hashrash, say you had to sow a thousand beans in order, you had to silo a thousand beans for a certain period of time, 
And then you wouldn't be sewing. You'd have to withdraw those. It would get some sort of chit, which would then enable you to... Uh, is, is this sort of what you're talking about, Hashrash? Like, not to... Um, not to sow siloed beans, but to qualify to sow other beans. Right. Right. I'm just thinking that, you know, if, any, if people may be waiting for, you know, soil to be available so they can lend to, to the protocol. I mean, the, but the goal is to create an efficient market for soil. Like the name of the game to keep beanstalk, uh, the, the peg maintenance model working is efficient market for soil. And as soon as you Im impose like, arbitrary rules like you need to own stock to sow that makes the soil market less efficient so ultimately you know i think there's real benefit to keeping the silo in the field basically entirely independent okay all right thank yeah, you that makes sense. yep so Publius, to expand on that you would think that that would if the less efficient it is, then the higher probably that would just. If, end up if I want to sow a million right? soil right now, and and I need to now buy uh, buy a hundred thousand beans and deposit them in the silo, that is a friction that's introduced in order to actually sow the beans. If that makes sense. So the goal is to not do anything of the sort and to make the market for soil as efficient as possible, like as a principle. This is more or less the same as taking deposits, right? Which is creating inorganic demand. Can you repeat that? Sorry, I missed that. The inefficiency you're describing here is, is kind of the same as when we said, let's take deposits, you know, for uh, for when soil is available. And, and you, you explained it then by exactly. creating inorganic demand. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like the, just to fill people in, uh, there was an idea circulating that people could bid in advance on soil, um, sort of to fill in the soil once it once it exists. But the problem is that just creates more demand during a time where beanstalk doesn't need any extra demand. So when the price is above one, people should really only be buying beans uh, to silo them for long-term siloing or to use them for something. Um, if you're buying them below a dollar, that should be to to sow them in the field, more or less, not to over-prescribe behavior. You can buy below a dollar in silo just as well. Um, but from a like an incentive perspective, that's the behavior Beanstalk more or less tries to create. Uh, go ahead, JWW, and then we'll get to Divine Jesus. Yeah, so uh, Pulis, when thinking about um, the the pod marketplace, I, I've I guess I've been trying to understand like how the debt would be valued um, when the marketplace goes live, and, and maybe uh, my thinking is like I think you can just kind of poke holes or tear this apart. But my thinking is um, the closer to to peg or the closer to one that that we're starting to see the sales of the pod marketplace. Like let's say we're looking at somebody who's like four hundred million in line. Um, if people are starting to value that that those those pods kind of closer to uh, closer to a dollar, I mean, does that generally generally uh, infer that there's trust behind Beanstalk um, as opposed to people that are just trying to buy it for ten cents at four hundred million in line? Is that fair fair to say? Certainly. So, I mean, the way the question of like how do you price a pod is incredibly sophisticated uh, and probably 
a conversation or a discussion for another day. But in short, I think the the given that a bean or a pod at a given place in line is sort of uh, can you can figure out exactly when you're based on a future market cap uh, or a future supply of beans, you're going to get that pod liquid into a bean. Uh, there is some sort of uh, direct, you know, from a d discounting uh, discounting value in the future to the present, uh, the an increase in a value of a given pod in a place in line would would be an indication that someone is more bullish on Beanstalk's ability to increase in in supply uh, as compared to if the price were lower. So I think the pod marketplace will serve as a large uh, data point uh, or, or a series of data points that will provide a series of data points that will help uh, everyone start to participate in Beanstalk in a more efficient capacity, hopefully. Okay, great. And then, and then, if that's the case, like let's say that the the, the debt gets um, valued at quite close to peg or you know quite high, um, is there what what mechanism is in place, or is there a mechanism in place, or would we want to would that be changed at all to increase the amount of debt that that Beanstalk is willing to um, to issue, or would that stay kind of currently with, with the way that it's sort of set up now? Yeah. So the the soil mechanism, which is the willingness to issue debt. Uh, it's going to be totally independent of secondary prices on the farmer's market. Um, the weather may go up or down, you know, as sort of a, a second order effect of increased demand for pods or a decrease in demand for pods based on, uh, people's future expected, uh, minting or as that's uh, implied in the pod marketplace. But, uh, beyond that, no. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, uh, Divine Jesus and then Syncubate. Uh, Divine Jesus, we can't hear you if you're speaking. We'll take Syncubate and then we'll circle back for you, uh, Divine Jesus. Hey, Don, do you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you good. I'm clear. Okay, good deal. So um, I went ahead and shared in the class discussion a tweet that I thought was interesting uh, from the other day. I saw uh, Zeus from Olympus. He tweeted, liquidity is a public good. And uh, I thought that was interesting, given everything that's going on right now with the critiques of protocol and liquidity. Um, is this something that we could potentially consider for Beanstalk? I had wrote about this a few weeks ago and kind of building off of what Publius was talking about um, in terms of stock and seed and potentially interesting financial derivatives. Um, the idea of protocol and like the, the idea of liquidity as a public good is really interesting to me. Um, Interesting that Zeus is also now thinking about it. I wonder if he's rethinking the whole POL model. So, my thought process was: um, Could you maybe users, expand on on liquidity as a public good? Sure. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure I follow what that means. Sure. So the whole idea behind it, Publius, is kind of like what you were talking about earlier when um, 
I believe JWW had asked you about the thought process in terms of how uh, seeds generate new stock, and you were talking about it was pretty much just napkin math. Um, right now in the silo, the silo already um, favors LP deposits over bean-only deposits. Seems like it's an arbitrary favor in terms of the amount of seed you get. It's double the amount of seed if you do an LP deposit versus a bean-only deposit. In either case, they're withdrawable deposits. And it's when the seed and stock become liquid, it's already based off of the class discussions we had so far. My understanding is if a user were to withdraw their seed and stock from the silo when they become liquid, their deposit is essentially locked in the silo until they return that stock and seed or repurchase it and return it back to the silo. So there's already like an implicit um, possibility that deposits will can become locked um, if a depositor does not, uh, you know, return their stock and seed if they decided to sell it on the open market and not buy it back and return it back to the silo. My thought process is was. Um, what if we had an explicit like two-tier type of deposit system where there would be as we have now bean only and lp deposits that are withdrawable and separate from that bean only and lp deposits that are locked but these locked deposits would be represented as nfts number one and number two um to support them or to incentivize users to do a lock deposit, there would maybe be slightly more stock up front or slightly more seed up front, similar to kind of like how we're already doing that with LP versus bean only deposits. But the catch is the stock and seed associated with a lock deposit would also be locked. Now, because it's represented as an NFT, it would be, um, it really presents some interesting opportunities from what users can then do with that representation of their liquidity position. Because even though the liquidity is provided essentially as a, a public good, right? Because what a user is doing is saying, I support Beanstalk. I'm willing to commit this Bean or this LP deposit indefinitely to support this decentralized stable coin that hopefully will ban all of DeFi one day. But it's not really locked, right? Because it's locked with the pro for the protocol's benefit in the sense that it's providing a kind of baseline continuum of liquidity for Beanstalk. But from a user's perspective, it's actually not locked, right? Because you would, the protocol would be issuing an NFT that would represent that position. And then the NFT itself could then be used, right? Because it has the underlying value. It, the, under, the underlying value. I still don't understand what liquidity as a public good is. I'm sorry to cut you off. Right. So it was it was based off of a paper I had read, or I, I didn't read it all because it was really long, but it was a paper that was written in 2019 about the traditional finance system and lessons learned from the 2007 2008 financial crisis. It was regarding the idea of liquidity as a public good in the global financial markets. And obviously, from that perspective, it's more like, you know, how can regulators and centralized entities like that are above all of traditional finance kind of step in as um, providing a baseline continuity of liquidity in financial markets, right? But in DeFi, we don't have that, right? We don't have like a, cent a centralized trusted party that could do that. In a sense, I thought about it like 
it's really the obligation is really upon users to commit capital, but we can do it in a way that's not um, self-limiting, right? So I was thinking about it from how Uniswap V3 does LP positions. They they issue an NFT to you, and the NFT represents your liquidity position. And what's interesting is, and this was a problem when Uniswap V3 first launched, people thought, oh, I could just sell my N NFT, right? But no, if you sell your NFT or you transfer it to another wallet, whoever owns that wallet owns your liquidity position because the NFT represents that LP position. So in the same sense, I was thinking, what if Beanstalk issued like an NFT to represent a locked deposit to users that are willing to do that, that are willing to lock liquidity in Beanstalk for maybe a little bit more stock and seed up front? But again, that stock and seed would be locked too. The only thing that would be claimable would be newly minted bean from when the protocol mints bean. So with the Uniswap V3 LP, you can go into Uniswap, you can claim your fees without touching the, the assets representing the LP position. So in the same sense, I was thinking, you can. this would essentially be a yield generating NFT that would represent an indefinite position in Beanstalk protocol. And then from a user's perspective, that NFT could then be, you could take it as, you know, um, you could deposit as collateral and take a loan out against it. You could lend it out, right? If it's because it's yield generating, um, if there was like a public funding, public goods funding project built on top of Beanstalk one day, for example, let's say I like a certain uh, charity or public good um, initiative, other users like it, we could stake our NFTs and then the yield from that those NFTs could be directed towards that public goods funding idea. So there's just so many ways that this could kind of like build on top of the utility of being as a token, right? And I was thinking about it also from the pods marketplace perspective, like users would be able to unlock liquidity, even though the, the underlying liquidity is locked because the NFT has value, it represents value. Um, but the question is, how could we ex explore that? And I, because Zeus is thinking about it too, I thought maybe this whole pro, I know you guys have kind of been like critiques of the PCV POL model. And it's interesting that somebody like Zeus is also just recently now saying liquidity is a public good. I'm wondering where his thought process is. So just curious what you guys think about that. Yeah. So you, there's a lot there, Syncubate. And I think there's some macro reasons uh, why it may not make the most sense. And then some micro reasons as well. So I'll try to kind of break things down at a couple different levels here. Um, cause I, I really do love the thought and want to, you know, want to, want to analyze it in full. So at a high level, as you mentioned, you know, we're really, uh, against POL or PCV protocol owned liquidity or protocol controlled value in basically any capacity. And why is that? Um, it's because Beanstalk and and uh faith in the peg maintenance model uh is very much a faith-based system right people have to believe in the model when the price is below a dollar uh it's people's belief in the model that both uh inspires someone to buy and sell beans and prevents people from uh withdrawing and selling all of their beans for example and so the like the one of the first primary questions is well how do we create uh, a, a system that is unlikely to be uh, have everyone's faith shaken, 
And as soon as you introduce POL or PCV as sort of a first stop, right, there's some amount of POL, which Beanstalk would then be able to use to return the price to the peg or uh, in some capacity influence uh, the peg maintenance schedule, for example, in the ability for the POL or the PCV to be converted, if that makes sense, to peg. Um, that immediately introduces some additional volatility around any time you run out of that layer one pegged events, if that makes sense. And so at, at the highest level, the goal is to offer no you know, level one peg defenses and to have the protocol only have one macro peg defense, which over time more and more and more people will start to believe in, and then they will start to participate in peg maintenance at a micro level, which will create a much much more sustainable, consistent price uh, at, at the peg. But the idea from a protocol design perspective is not to create uh, sort of like a layer one defense uh, in any capacity, because I think that will uh, have a counter intuitive effect uh, to what, what, what may be intended or a counter counter effect to what was intended. Um, and then to, to talk a little bit more about the, the concept of liquidity as a public good, well, what is liquidity, right? Liquidity is the ability to sell one asset into another asset. And so on the one hand, uh, like that's very important and uh, there's real problems if an asset uh, that you thought had liquidity uh, into various other assets suddenly doesn't, uh, you know, that effectively compromises the entire value or certainly the utility uh, of that asset. So liquidity is fundamental. And we would just highlight that moving from a collateralized model to a credit-based model does give Beanstalk a leg up in its ability to provide an infinite amount of liquidity to various protocols based on demand for beans, which is great. But uh, I'm still not sure exactly how uh, liquidity as a public good would work in DeFi, given that currently, you know, that's, I, I, I'm just not, you know, I, I don't want to comment more on that other than I still don't really understand it. Um, now, to, to think about, well, what would be the benefit to Beanstalk of having people lock up liquidity on a permanent basis um, with the high-level discussion of, like, we don't even want a layer one defense, I would argue that there's no benefit whatsoever. Um, and so we don't really want to offer additional stock and seeds. And so then you would say, well, maybe you can just offer people the ability to wrap their assets in a in an NFT anyways, and we would say that that's already going to exist because deposit slips, um, they won't be an NFT. They will be an 1155, hopefully, so that there's some more liquidity and fungibility within a season, at least. Um, but but the idea is that you'll be able to transfer deposit uh, with or without the associated underlying stock and seeds. Uh, so you'll have a lot of those benefits. And then maybe at a micro level, um, when we talk about the utilities, you mentioned the ability to lock up or uh, use that NFT as collateral. Um, on an apples-to-apples -apples basis, it would be much better to use a liquid deposit that you can then liquidate the underlying stock seeds or beans at any point uh, under that will certainly be able to get you more bang for your buck uh, when using that liquid collateral as opposed to an e-liquid asset as collateral. So I think 
while I'm certainly a big fan of how you're thinking about this, um, not necessarily sure that, um, you know, it makes sense for Beanstalk at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. Also, just, um, you know, uh, you know, add on to that a little bit. Number one with the NFTs, like what's even more liquid than an NFT that holds stock and seeds? The actual stock and seeds. So not quite sure what the value is there by choosing to lock stock and seeds in an NFT and then making that liquid when we could just make the stock and seeds liquid. Like an NFT that holds stock and seeds is likely going to trade around the price of the value of the underlying stock and seeds. So why are the stock and seeds locked in the NFT? Um, and then to, you know, append on the POL conversation, you know, we have, you know, we are interested in potentially having some sort of accompanying Beanstalk, you know, Dow treasury protocol that, you know, could receive bonds or accumulate protocol on liquidity and act as, you know, some sort of benevolent actor in helping to maintain peg stability um, outside of the Beanstalk protocol. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that clarification. Um, yeah, the only reason I was thinking the stock and seed might be locked, too, is because somebody had brought up when I originally thought about this is the arbitrage opportunity. If you were to favor lock deposits more than withdrawable deposits by giving them more stock and seed, there might be an arbitrage opportunity um, where the stock and seed could then be dumped on the market. Um, but the other way to address that would just to not favor them with more stock and seed and just um, make the stock and seed withdrawable from the NFT, um, just like the, the minted bean would be. Um, but yeah, um, I was just thinking about this more on a bigger picture perspective. Like we think of liquidity providers in DeFi generally as mercenary. And I was thinking about it from the small percentage of users that might might be more altruistic. And I don't know if that's where Zeus is coming from. I'm, again, his tweet is kind of vague. I'm curious. For those that follow Olympus, maybe how that develops, but maybe we can revisit this once the clarity is there. So thank you so much. Thanks, Incubate. Uh, okay, uh, quickly, uh, before Divine Jesus, I have a very quick question from Canadian Bennett, and that's Publius. You've spoken a bit about football. Who do you think, uh, who do you want to win the Super Bowl? And I would ask, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Well, I think I'm not going to speak for for both of us here. Uh, you know, it's very hard to root against Joey B. So uh, we'll be rooting for the Bengals, or I will be certainly. Um, but you know, the Rams' defense of line against that Swiss cheese offensive line, you know, very hard to to pick against the Rams. So uh, probably betting on the Rams uh, if we were betting. Uh, which we won't be, but uh, rooting for for the Bengals. All right, awesome, uh, Divine Jesus. You get your mic working. Mm, not hearing anything yet. But we had you earlier, didn't we? Shoot. Feel free to stay up here and. Uh, Troubleshoot that. I'll check my DMs, see if anyone sent anything in. Class discussion, I see something up. Uh, manifold dropping beans on Joey B. I love it. 
<laughs> that would be a yeah positive carry bets if we worked out a, <laughs> a little side website where we could just uh, do some straight up bets it'd be awesome yeah when, when can we transfer silo beans that's when you can really have positive carry bets uh mod yeah, while we wait, uh, Publius, um, I just wanted to expand on, on, on the forever uh, deposit thing. Uh, isn't, isn't a forever, uh, like a locked deposit that doesn't, you know, uh, cannot be withdrawn, is, is more uh, uh, stabilizing for Beanstalk? So why wouldn't Beanstalk, um, like, favor someone who would lock, you know, their deposit uh, versus someone who's having it in a silo and can take it out at any time? So why, why does like, what does it mean for a bean to be locked in Beanstalk forever? Like uh, it doesn't really mean anything. It, it doesn't. Doesn't it mean that you can't pull it out and put it in, sell it in the market or dump it in the market? Doesn't that make it as if like you know it's not in the supply anymore? But you're yeah, but I that think way. I think from a at a high level, I don't think that you committing to lock that up forever will will benefit Beanstalk other than it's like at the margin, a, a removal of the supply. But the question is, like, when will that actually come into play? Because if the, the bean is already in the silo or going in the silo, at, at that point in time, it's not actually affecting beanstalk. The time it's affecting beanstalk is down the line when it might otherwise be removed from the silo. And I think from that perspective, like beanstalk has the stock system and is confident in the stock system as like, an incentive to keep assets deposited and like there's not at the margin it's very hard to know like well how much extra stock or seeds should be in stock pay to lock something up permanently uh and i don't think that that like it doesn't benefit beanstalk to pay extra for something that theoretically might benefit it when uh you know the stock and seed system has demonstrated a very strong level of efficacy in in retaining assets within the silo so uh, you know it's not to say that there's no reason to do it but i think at the margin uh we we were, were you know as Publis was saying i think it's much more attractive to us to have uh independent protocols uh supporting beanstalk peg maintenance in various ways and you may have multiple competing DAOs that have their own pol or pcv that they're using to uh, arbitrage beanstalk but that should really be separate from the protocol itself like from a principal perspective, the goal is to keep the model as simple as humanly possible. And obviously, it's getting more complex as we add arbitrary LP tokens to the silo and stuff like that. Um, but even with that, the goal is to keep things uh, as simple as possible. Thank you, and, and I'm a big fan of the idea of offloading, you know, uh, these other things to other other protocols. I, I, I like it more than doing it. And we think there's a lot of opportunity there for ambitious farmers to kind of get that going, and we would be happy to like help support that. Um, but it re it really just can't come from the protocol. Like there's a there has to be a separation of church and state between arbitrage supporting Beanstalk, like by independent market participants, and the protocol itself. So as long as those are separate, it's not to say that there can't be on-chain like arbitrage that is happening in an in a like an automatic fashion by various decentralized protocols. That would be awesome, um, but that's different than the protocol itself doing it. Agreed. Thank you, Publius.
Okay, looks like we Divine Jesus did end up typing the question out. Um, my question was whether the rate of the yield that you get from a seed can change. Um, if you could just speak to um, the, you know, deposited, uh, I guess, I'll, just a quick explainer on deposited LP and uh, beans in the silo for Divine Jesus. That'd be helpful. Well, I actually don't have a good answer because I think we're still not 100% sure on how we want to implement that more complex stock and seed system. However, the benefit of keeping seeds all yielding the same amount of stock is that then they're all fungible. As soon as you introduce like different classes of seeds, then you lose the, the liquidity uh, there. So uh, we'd probably... Just from a design perspective, try to keep seeds yielding the same amount of stock per season and then instead toggle the amount of seeds that you get per bean denominated value. Um, but that is still in flux. So don't don't quote us on that. Gotcha. Uh, Rex just posted the locked value concept feels like what Convex is doing with Curve. A cool idea that makes more sense to come from an outside group rather than beanstalk farms slash bean sprout, um, which just got me thinking that, yeah, it's, you know, I have, I have convex and it's kind of nice because it's sort of, there is a finality to it. Whenever you do one of these things that's permanent and maybe that's, maybe that's where some of the groundswell from people thinking, you know, they believe in bean, they want, you know, and if there was a little bit extra, you know, I understand the reasons to not do it, but it is, I, there is some finality and you've done something like that that's permanent you just think all right ride or die i've done this uh so i can see an argument for it but i, I also see why it could be external anyway Pumis, go ahead. yeah i think i think there's a real opportunity for someone to create that type of protocol uh where you know then instead you receive some sort of fungible token that represents ownership in that dao and then that token is liquid but then people can speculate on the future value of the DAO based on its ability to, you know, profit from arbitraging the bean peg, for example. So a million different cool ways to go there. And our hope is to, you know, inspire protocols like that to be built on top of Beanstalk in the not too distant future. And if people want to do that, we're happy to chat about ideas. Okay, we are open for questions. Uh, Jareth James, hey, thanks for coming. Jareth was uh, leading the AMA with Bankless. Was that just yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Got a hand. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, that um, AMA yesterday was awesome. Yeah, so great. So glad you could do that. Thanks. Oh, yeah, no problem. I'm looking to uh, set up another AMA for Beanstalk um, in the near future with Bankless Africa. Awesome. Awesome. That was really great. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bankless Africa—they're doing a project right now. 
Um, it's just getting started, though. Um, they're scoping out a squad right now. But um, it's a whole project focused on stable coins, and it'll be great to have Publius uh, give a breakdown of Beanstalk on there as well. Amazing. Cool. So, yeah, we'll be in touch for that. Um, yeah, it sounds good. Sounds good, man. Any any question uh, you, you have for Publius while we got Jeff here? Well, let's see. I could save some for the AMA. Oh, what I would like to ask... Uh, he did mention something, another metaphor. I mean, there's tons of metaphors with beanstalk, but it was one that I um, that was new to me called a sprout. I would like to know more about sprout. Sure, Publix. So, bean sprout uh, is a beanstalk accelerator program separate from beanstalk farms uh, that was funded by the beanstalk DAO. Uh, as part of the Q1 budget, um, Mr. Manifold is the head of Beanstalk Farm, or excuse me, is the head of Sprout. Um, maybe Mr. Manifold, you want to pop up here and just chat a little bit about uh, what Beanstalk is up to and uh, how you think about uh, you know supporting the Beanstalk ecosystem through Beanstalk. Sure, Publius. Uh, Jeff, you thanks for hosting the. Uh You know, getting our community exposure, um, and we're looking forward to working with you guys in the future for more things. Um, so, with Bean Sprout, uh, as Publius mentioned, we're looking to build uh, Bean use cases and utility um, that kind of extend past what Bean Stock Farms is focused on. Um, so, one explicit example, and, and Dumpling, this kind of um, might also tie into one of the points you were making is. Uh, we are funding and incubating a concept called Afra Finance. Um, and Afra is effectively going to be a long-term capital partner of Beanstalk that is arbitraging around Bean's peg, producing cash flows around the peg, uh, and reinvesting those cash flows into uh, basically pummeling more liquidity into them. Um, and then this concept, uh, dumpling, kind of like the convex um, concept you mentioned, um, can be gained through exposure via Afra. Um, so, you know, there's more to come there. That's just one example. Um, a couple other things we're, we're thinking about on the marketing side. Um, some of them being a poker tournament, um, which was um, But largely, you know, the... the uh, manifold. Mr. Manifold, your um, your speaker seems like it's maybe covered up halfway or something. Just don't want to miss anything good that you're saying. Is this better? Better? Was Sorry. For a second. That I think now you're good. Yeah, and start back over at maybe the poker tournament and and. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so lar largely, kind of the objective of the objective of Bean Sprout is to fund uh, ecosystems that create you know long-term time-weighted sinks for bean demand um and that can happen through a variety of fashions again mentioning afra uh something else we kind of have in the pipeline via afra is uh enabling uh beans beans and maybe stocks and seeds is that because as they become fungible erc20s that are tradable to be uh collateral um or being able to borrow beans um through various forms of collateral on raw refuse pools 
So really just, you know, different ways to open up liquidity for the system, um, new demand and new utility for the system. So, you know, we are kind of like a simp for Beanstalk, if that kind of analogy makes sense to you. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of really, really cool things that we can do with Beans. Yeah, Beans got a lot of, it's a lot of interesting things going on with this protocol. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm very interested. It's, it's super, super exciting. Yeah, yeah, this is this is cool. Beanstalk is is, I believe that y'all y'all are gonna be the the standard for the decentralized stablecoin. I love how you represent the ethos of crypto as well. Thanks, Jarris. Yeah, that's that's great. I, it's definitely the more you the more you look into it, and the more you you know, it's just it's like the beans rabbit hole. There's just more to beans, more <laughs> more to beans than meets the eye. <laughs> So yeah, I see that even um about sunrise. That's uh, new to me. I don't really understand um sunrise a hundred percent. Yes, I would like to know more about that. And um also about I've read that um in case of danger of a dangerous vulnerability to beanstalk that the silo can pause or unpause beanstalk. Um, exactly how does a pause on beanstalk work? Uh, I think this is for Publius. Yeah, so the first is the sunrise um, is the function that is called by anybody at the top of every hour uh, to start the next season. And uh, the sunrise function has to be called to start the season. So Beanstalk offers a reward in the form of beans, which increases every second that uh, nobody calls the sunrise function uh, to, uh, you know, uh, incentivize prompt calling of the sunrise function. So uh, that's been called by someone at the top of every hour, more or less, for the past six months since we launched and uh, has been happening more or less automatically, uh, you know, independent of Publis, which is pretty cool uh, from basically as soon as we launched. Like there was an MEV bot calling the sunrise function like from from the second season. So um, that's a little bit on the sunrise function. The pause, um, all it really does is prevent the sunrise function from being called. So it's actually a great back-to-back -back question you asked. Uh, like the definition of a pause is just that the sunrise cannot be called until Beanstalk is unpaused. So it's not a full stop of the system, um, but it does, you know, pause most of the system in the sense that if you have beans that are in the silo, you can't withdraw them. If you have beans that are withdrawn but not claimable, they don't move up until there's another sunrise called. Um, and so BIPs, Beanstalk Improvement Proposals, do work um, on a time system, not a season-based system exclusively to get around this. In case Beanstalk is paused, Beanstalk can still be upgraded. Um, but the general concept of a, a pause is just that uh, the sunrise function can't be called, so seasons will not continue. So if there's a problem with the minting schedule or, um, you know, whatever type of vulnerability, that's a, a way to, to temporarily stop Beanstalk from uh, continuing to fuck up in whatever capacity it might be. Yeah, I, I really respect how much thought was put behind this protocol. It's like no storm was left unturned here. I mean, we appreciate that, but we would say that uh, over the past six months, we have had the opportunity to fix uh, multiple issues and inefficiencies with the model. So uh, while it may appear to you that way today, 
uh, we're certainly the beneficiaries of uh, like Beanstalk being alive for six months so that, um, you know, we've had a large amount of data uh, available to us to, to really improve the model overall. So uh, glad that today it's it's starting to look that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to setting up some more AMAs for you. A lot more people need to know about Beanstalk for sure. When I first came across your project, um, yeah, I saw NF Thinker make, made a post about it within the educational channel in um, Bankless. And then, yeah, once I started reading about it and I saw um, a few YouTube videos, yeah, I was I definitely fell down that rabbit hole like Dumplin was saying. We agree. And uh, candidly, we don't think we've done a very good job of making stock. Um, in part, we don't really feel comfortable like acting as a salesperson, we don't really feel that's the role of Publius. So I uh, would greatly appreciate you facilitating those types of more organic AMAs and settings where we can talk about the protocol in a way that doesn't feel like shilling per se. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I will, um, yeah, I'm proud to uh, to promote you guys for sure because I, I definitely believe in this project and I like um the allegory behind it is interesting. It's like gamified in a way. And um, the way that it was inspired by Alexander Hamilton and John Jay, like that was really cool. It was really cool. It was really deep. Well, it's great to hear, um, you know, new people hearing about, about it. And, and uh, yeah, it's just great, great, to, great to have another farmer. Thanks, Jess. No problem. Yeah, I think Bankless Africa is going to find this project to be very interesting. Yeah, well, let's. Um, I, I sent you a DM a little bit earlier, um, so let's. Uh, we'll, we'll communicate that way, and anyone else that you're in touch with here, and also the Bankless uh, podcast. I don't know how much access you have to that, but that's like the whole, you know that's a a huge deal as well. Yeah, that's a huge deal. Um, yeah, I still got you know build my cloud up at Bankless, but. Yeah, I would like to um, set that up sometime in the near future when I have um, when I have access to that. But yeah, we could definitely. Um, that's a goal. Yeah, that's definitely a goal. We gotta get you on the official podcast. We set the bar high. The bar the bar high here, Jerris. <laughs> yeah, I respect that. Yeah, I'm with that too. I'm a high achiever as well. So we gotta we make that happen. It. We love it. So. Uh, welcome to the bean farm, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to be here. All right. Uh, let's see. Any more discussions on the? Okay. Uh, well, we're we're a little over the hour now. Happy to take a few more questions if anyone has them. Um, Liz, I might give you a, a one that is just. I know there's been a lot of discussion over uh, about the weather um, and about you know the kind of fine-tuning it or exactly what happens but in the last probably like three or four days as we've been kind of above and below peg i've just been wondering if um it seems like the weather's gone up a little just a little bit you know sometimes i haven't been watching it that closely but i wonder if you could just take us through like when the soil is it's in kind of a soil scarce environment like people are probably going to sow pretty soon um it seems like the weather is still creeping up from season to season. And I'm wondering, you know, what the thought process is behind, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, when, when it, when it sort of flips the switch from going up by 3% to uh, below 3%, could you just guide us through that a little bit? 
Yeah. So in short, I mean, well, first let's just take a look at a little bit of the data, um, which I think is instructive. So from our perspective, if you look at the weather, um, while the weather has generally continued to increase over the past week, um, I think the thing that we would kind of look at that has started to stabilize or decreases the real rate of return. Um, and so you're not going to have the price, excuse me, the weather decrease until the price is at or above a dollar, um, you know, in general. But the fact that the real rate of return has kind of been steadily coming down over the past week, uh, that's a good sign. So now that the price is uh, hopefully going to oscillate more consistently over a dollar, the real rate of return continuing to come down, that will have to be a function of the weather coming down or the price being significantly above a dollar. But, you know, it's more likely to oscillate above and below one. So with that in mind, the weather coming down would be ultimately what results in a decrease in the weather over time. So there's, you know, the short answer is, and it's not really a short answer because the the peg maintenance model uh, relies on a variety of factors. But if we just isolate the demand for soil, um, the question is, well, how does beanstalk uh, treat? So in short, just to summarize, beanstalk increases or decreases the weather uh, by 1% or 3% uh, every season or keeps it the same based on the time-weighted average price over the previous season, the pod rate, and the change in demand for soil uh, over the previous two seasons. And so if we look at, again, this is why it's not such a short answer, uh, it's page 17 and 18 in the white paper. Um, this kind of covers the in detail how Beanstalk measures demand for soil. Um, so specifically, the language that you're referring to, which is something that we reference pretty often, is in the bottom half of uh, page 17, which says, however, when beans are sown in all or almost all soil in consecutive seasons, uh, that variable, which is the rate of change in demand for soil, can inaccurately measure changing demand for soil. So, for example, let's say that in back-to-back -back seasons, there's around 100,000 soil, right? Um, and, or 1,000 soil, doesn't matter. And in both seasons, all 1,000 soil has been sown into it. However, uh, if in one season, all of those beans were sown within a minute of the season starting, and in the next season, it took 30 minutes of the season, you know, that... The goal is for Beanstalk to be able to look at that and realize that that's actually a decrease in demand for soil because the previous season there was uh, less time necessary to attract demand, if that makes sense. So what? Like, there's that level of complexity in the model, which is that uh, Beanstalk measures the time in addition to uh, the amount of beans that were sown each season in order to more accurately measure demand for soil. However, um, and this is why it's not such a short answer, under the new soil policies, uh, there's a couple of uh, interesting complexities introduced here because uh, if you have alternating seasons where the price is above one and then below one um, in back-to-back -back seasons, you may have 10,000 soil one season and then 100 soil the next season. 
And so then it's like, well, how do you compare demand for 10,000 soil compared to demand for soil? And that's where more recently we have commented that the way that Beanstalk measures demand for soil can be uh, re, you know, overhauled or improved in sophistication to account for the new soil mechanism, if that makes sense. But if anything, that's going to be like more of a fine tuning and less than less of like a real problem with the demand for soil mechanism, if that makes sense, or the way that Beanstalk measures it. And uh, we would expect that uh, the weather will start to come down to some extent uh, if we continue to see excessive demand for soil. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's I'm looking at this, it is a little bit more complicated than I, I, I had basically thought that if we were, soil was being cleared out every season, then that would basically, and we were close to peg, that it would, like if we were oscillating above and below peg, that weather would go down. It sounds like there's a little bit more, uh, there's, there's more variables in it that I'll have to look over. But in general, uh, that's interesting. I did post in the class discussion the relevant portion of the white paper and the graph, so people can take a look at that. Um, but that uh, the real rate of return graph uh, is interesting. And uh, so, yeah, anyway, thanks for, uh, for diving into that a little bit. Definitely. I have a little bit of homework to do in, in going over some of these <laughs> equations in the white paper. Um, does anyone else have any last questions? I think we can probably, if not, we can probably call it a wrap. Oh, good bean king. Okay. So bean king. I think you took your hand down. I'm inviting you to speak. There you go. I sent you the invite, Bean King. There you are. Hi, can everybody hear me? Yes, we can. All right. Uh, first off, you know, just apologies for my username. I know Publius. Uh, Publius are the two kings of Beanstalk. Certainly um, not. Certainly not. I was just tempted to start singing like Lion King theme song, like uh, <laughs> as a troll. That was the only thing uh, that went through my mind here. Um, great. Uh, well, I have a question. Um, I wrote it down in one of the channels. Um, it's essentially that, you know, one of the big value adds that crypto has is that there's parts of protocols which are just totally immutable. You know, for example, Bitcoin, there's 21 million, you know, and it's, and it's not going to be changed. And that's kind of the meme that powers it, um, or one of the memes that powers it. Um, so I'm curious from, from the perspective of Publius, uh, what are the things that you see about Beanstalk as being candidates for just full immutability? Uh, and, you know, are, are there any that you have any intentions of making immutable? You know, for example, like, the 50-50 silo pod line split um, when new beans are created or other characteristics of the protocol similar to that? So, you know, first, uh, I would just say I love, I really love this question. Like, this is exactly within the ethos of like, our community. So, awesome question. Um, and your name actually betrays such a good question. Um, with that said, I think before we answer, like, your Substantive question as to what might be a candidate. We would just highlight a caveat, which is, 
Um, the diamond standard doesn't really facilitate this in a way that would be possible at the moment. And uh, even if it were upgraded to support it, then that would require us to basically migrate to that contract most likely. So, I mean, it would be a total shit show. Um, so while that's possible potentially in the future, like, you know, highly unlikely or at least highly unlikely to happen anytime in the near future. And if it did, it would be like a real overhaul to the structure of the code to support like making some of it mutable and some of it immutable. However, with that said, I do think that if not from like a ethos and mission statement and like community values perspective, everyone can make clear that certain things are immutable by our standard. Um, you know, I think, I think that would, that would probably similarly be in line with that ethos. And, um, I, I would just, I'd maybe highlight that, you know, there's, Yeah, there's a similar ethos to the fact that the 21 million supply guarantee is uh, enforced by the miners that are continuing to run code that enforces that. Um, can like there's a parallel there with uh, stock owners continuing to um, vote for a version of Beanstalk that maintains those policies. So I would almost argue you don't need to put it explicitly into the smart contracts uh as long as you have sufficient incentives that enforce that in practice um if that makes sense now to answer go ahead oh yeah i was gonna say you can kind of split this i think into two questions of you know are, are there of, of the parameters uh is there some set that you would think that would be immutable or you think would be candidates. And then if yeah. there's kind of the more technical, um, you know, implementation level questions of when some of them might be voted to become immutable or something like that, or even if they could, you know, or if, if our governance mechanism will just allow, um, you know. Yes. So, so I think I, to be mutable, I touched on the second one, at least somewhat substantively. So to answer maybe the former question now, um, as to what might be a candidate to become immutable. I think the 50-50 payment from to silo and field, uh, that is a core uh, part of the protocol and ensures the alignment of uh, stockholders and podholders. And, uh, you know, that, that doesn't need to change ever, most likely. Um, it's very hard to imagine a scenario where that would make sense to change. Um, certainly at this point in time um so that would probably be one i think similarly uh it's a really bad look to mint pods anywhere but the back of the pod line uh, to compromise the integrity of the first in first out schedule would be uh catastrophic to people's faith in the model like why lend at the end of the system if you can like kind of wrangle the system into lending you somewhere else in the pod line so uh we would never support that that would kind of be like capitulation um and a, a total uh, sacrificing of the integrity of the model um beyond that and I'm, I'm literally scrolling through the white paper here um i mean it's hard to imagine the voting period uh or at least the 
then like we would want to enforce some sort of uh like 50 percent quorum uh and a two-thirds supermajority to pass things before the week-long uh or 168 season uh dip time so there are like certain things from a governance perspective you might want to enforce um i think you know i think that's probably it for now off the top of my head that would be a a candidate you know for something that we would say we would never want to change under any circumstances like a lot of the system to be honest is like beanstalk measuring the market and then responding to it so both the measurements and the responses can be improved and tweaked and improved in efficiency in various ways so we don't like it would be very foolish of us in our opinion to claim like the current model is the most efficient that it could ever become and therefore we'd be more inclined to have like a pro like a a really robust community review process to incorporate those types of changes as opposed to like banning them all together awesome that was a really helpful answer that helped clarify it a lot i appreciate it thanks bean king all right well i think that will probably will probably do um was a great uh great class everyone wanted to throw a couple of reminders out there uh come to the down meeting on thursday uh before that an hour and a half before that we have that's at 8 30 eastern um and an hour and a half before that we have the twitter spaces so we'd love to see some people there that's going to be um uh, hype pay, hype bay ipo and chill jww and i and uh then other than that uh you can look for a updated job board we're going to have a job board with a lot of uh open positions that we're trying to have out uh by thursday so we'll announce that at the down meeting but uh you can look for that and a lot of other great stuff in the works Oblius, any anything else you want to say uh i think that's it for class thank you guys for coming and love these types of questions i mean it really does just speak to the quality of the community that this is the type of discussion going on. So thank you guys for being so great and curious and thoughtful.